Welcome to the Perfect First Layer podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name's Guy from Guy's Shop, and as always, are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Hello. Hello. Hello, Nathan. And we do depend on your questions for this podcast. If you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it. We also have a Patreon, and we only have one level right now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to patreon.com slash perfectfirstlayer. So what do you got going on in the lab right now, Nathan? Well, I've been working on 3D printer designs all day, so I'm tired of looking at other people's printer designs and complaining, which <laughs> I do more often than I should. So I'm, I've decided I, I, to... I can't believe that you're tired of complaining about other people's printers. I am, believe it or not. I have my limits. <laughs> so I've decided, you know what, I'm going to design my own printer, and uh, finally I can start complaining about my own designs. That'll be a nice change of pace. What I think is going to be really fun is that JJ and I can complain about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I hope you do. I expect so you to be my biggest critics. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing, nothing new has come in for you? Well, I've got some other printers that I'm working on that I can't talk about because, you yeah. know, yeah, uh, they're all top secret. Everything's secret. I have special information, as you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you ever going to do another one of those um, printers in the news things that you did the one time? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'll get around to it eventually. I'm just kind of a little bit burnt out from doing printer reviews, if I'm being honest. Yeah. There, there's so many printers, mm -hmm. they all have the same issues, and it just yeah. kind of gets boring after a while. And they're almost all the same, yeah. especially when you're talking about the bed slingers. There's not much that can be done to them anymore except make them bigger or faster. And I see a, a big problem with those printers going faster is that the, the stuff flies off the plate. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it happen yet, personally. But uh, neither have I. I imagine it could get to a, a point where aerodynamic forces will just pull the parts off. But when doesn't, it's heavy, does it? It's a uh, uh, it's a uh, force equals mass times acceleration. Like you've got a if you're printing something large and you have half a kilo of weight on your bed, yeah, it changes the dynamics of it. I, yeah. I would think that not only the dynamics of it, but if you have something that's let's say even, you know, 40 or 50 millimeters tall, just a couple of inches, mm -hmm. it going back and forth like that, that plastic is still going to flex a little bit just from the movement going back and forth, right? Right. Well, you can think yeah. of it in terms of G-forces. So most printers print around 500 millimeters per second squared acceleration or 5,000 millimeters per second squared acceleration, which is roughly half of a G. So it's almost like mm. you're tipping the printer like up at an angle a little bit. It's not too uh, hefty of an acceleration. Even at the highest, it's like maybe two Gs of acceleration. So you can think about that in terms of like now you're like at one G, that would be the kind of similar situation as like tipping it up on its end. And, you know, yeah. the, the part wanting to fall off the plate would be but roughly... Mm -hmm. yeah. Wouldn't that yeah. cause, though, I guess I guess what I was trying to say is that as it goes back and forth and that thing is like moving around like a tree in the wind, mm -hmm. 
but at very, very small amounts, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't see it with the naked eye. I don't know if you can measure it, but I'm sure it could be measured. Wouldn't that start to affect the print quality towards the top of the print? Yeah, definitely. You'll have like, uh, <clears throat> you like can layer line shiftings. Yeah, you'll be able to see kind of issues like the same kind of ghosting issues that you'll have will just get worse and worse as the print gets taller. And it depends on how well it's attached to the bed as well. Or uh, your print surface becomes more and more important the faster you go. Because that slight wobble, which works well on a glass bed, might not work as well on PEI bed or smooth PEI bed or a low-quality PEI bed. You could lose your print, whereas a high-quality smooth PEI bed would be fine. Um, Yeah. I would still think that, that that no matter what, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of different factors that contribute to any distortions there might be. But I, mm-hmm. I still think that that bed moving back and forth like that is just another thing that can cause issues. Right. Not huge issues, but yeah. still some issues. Yeah, so, maybe you'll need to print support material just to support the, the mass of the print. Like, yeah. you know, if you're yeah. printing something straight up conventionally, you wouldn't think you would need any support material because since everything is self-supporting, it's directly under itself. It's all fine. But then you might need to think about like having to brace it against the G-force of accelerating back and forth. But generally, if you've got a large base on the object, um, like it's, you know, 100 millimeters of a kind of a platform, then that should be enough to hold it down. Um, yeah. If you're printing like a pencil standing up, then that could definitely run into issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure the, the the size and geometry and how it's laid on the bed, if it's going this way or that way, you know, all that that comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have one of those big, huge Neptune printers, right, JJ? Yes, yeah, yeah. The Neptune how, Three Max. How fast does that go? Is that one of the it's fast printers? Pretty slow. Because it's an older one, um, and I found issues whenever I bumped it up slightly, even, um, that it just worked better at slower speeds. So that's kind of what I've been working at. Because I see those, they have the Neptune 4 Max Pro Deluxe now. Yeah. That, you know, that's like 400 and, what, 420 by 420 bed, I think. Something like that. It's, it's big. something really big like that. Yeah. 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 And it 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 supposedly moves along at five hundred millimeters a second. Uh-huh. I, I imagine but, you. Uh, yeah, definitely at those sizes, that's what you're yeah. getting at. Of the if you're printing something narrow and tall, you really run into those issues. If you print something that like fills out the volume and has a good bed adhesion, you're fine. But if you print a tall um, something tall cylindrical yeah. doesn't have much bed adhesion. You really get those uh, wavy artifacts yeah. because of those speeds. Yeah. No, sorry, we got into the weeds a little bit there, <laughs> but it seemed like a good technical dot demonstration good thing to talk about there for a few minutes anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the so crazy what... thing about that machine is it's all on V groove wheels, isn't it? I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's got a lot of V-groove wheels, but still, still all a lot of V-groove, V-groove wheels. <laughs> yeah. I think it's got like six, uh, 
six thumb on screws each side. Under, underneath. Yeah, it. yeah, six thumb screws on it, um, <laughs> which is a lot. Yeah, I haven't actually lot. touched them, so <laughs> just let the BL touch yeah. fix it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have you have you have a big printer, don't you, Nathan? Yeah, I've got the CR10. No, CRM4. <laughs> Creality is naming yeah, things. It's confusing. Is that super fast or not really? Um, it's It was a non-clipper machine, so it was kind of set up to be the speeds of the old school slow printers. Mm. Um, so it's like the same speed as a normal Ender 3 from back in the day. But um, I put from a back really in the large... day of, you know, eight months ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I put a really large diameter nozzle on there, so I don't need a whole lot of print speed to get large parts. So that's nice. kind of how I get around that. And I think it works pretty well. My one issue with the machine is that um, the the polycarbonate build surface is not great. Yeah. And mine kind of broke down. It was tearing off the sheet. So I tried peeling it off, but it left behind like this massive amount of residue. I've probably put about a hundred hours into scraping the glue off of the sheet and I haven't Oof. got through it yet. Yeah. Um, have you, have you tried any uh, type of solvent to get the glue off instead of scraping it? Yeah, I have. I tried Goo Gone citrus based. Uh-huh. Um, I've tried rubbing alcohol and acetone. It's like a solid millimeter of glue. Wow. <laughs> and then they put the polycarbonate a, a, a new build plate. Right, yeah. but how much does that cost for Get a Elegoo? Whatever Elegoo is selling them, I don't know. Their pull printer isn't that expensive, that's <laughs> and it comes true. with a PEI plate that's huge, massive. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know but, how they do it. Does that does that use a BL Touch? Yeah, yeah. it uses a CR C- Touch. Yeah, mm. uh, get, very original. Get a, get a piece of G10 and put it on there. That's an yeah. idea. Yeah, I'll probably. Be, I don't even. I, well, I'm sure you can buy sheets. I buy sheets that big, but I think I bought some that were like 300 by 300, and they were they weren't cheap. They were like 20 bucks. Or here's mm. what I can do: I can just go the <laughs> Orange Storm Giga route and take four Ender three beds and Much just small ones, slap them on there. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Because those are 235 by 235, so multiply that, that's like um, 470 70. by 470. That'll work. Yeah, yeah that's 470. And if it's a magnetic build plate, you just keep sticking them down until you filled it out. Right. Yeah. I, I'm actually going to do that now. Thanks for uh, the brainstorming session. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Yeah. So what, what do you got going on, JJ? Uh, so nothing new. I've uh, been printing with the new Creality Ender 3, the KE one. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you like it's it? Pretty good so far. Um, yeah. They released the source code for it today. So Oh, nice. Oh, they did? Yeah. yeah. You can root it. Put okay. real clipper on there. There we go. Yeah. yeah. It's got real clipper on it. It's just you can put a different <laughs> interface on it. Oh yeah, Creality Print. Creality Print on top of it, um, but that's the only new-ish printer I've been printing with. Um, yeah, I've I've had one of those for a couple, maybe like two or three weeks now, and I've I've 
put probably 20 or 30 hours on it. It seems to be a pretty decent printer. Yeah. It, I yeah, like I the price ladder that Creality is building of like the SE is at around 200 and this one is like a $80 upgrade to it. And then the CR10 is a bit more $100 over that. So it's like, you know, you can fit in your price, whatever you want to spend for a printer um, and find a good product in there. Um, yeah. Initially, prices, I think, were a bit high. And now I think things have settled down. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, I like that. Uh, also been yeah. playing around with this new super thick slice engineering nozzle. They're uh, 2.4 millimeter yeah. nozzle, I think it yeah. is. I saw I saw your video on on YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's so insane. That's been a ton that's of fun. <laughs> I saw it. I go okay. I I gotta have me that. Yeah. So I go to Slice's site, and of course eh, we don't have any. They're out. Damn of it. course, yeah. Uh, it's probably your fault. It's probably your fault. I did. I ruined it for everybody. Yeah. They'll probably restock soon. I've talked with the Slice people, and they have most of their manufacturing in house. So oh, when nice. they go out of stock, they're like, all right, we got to build some more of these. Yeah. Wouldn't should they be back know they're going out of stock? And I should have told them team. about when I was about to post my first video to yeah. warning guys. <laughs> um, but it's fun to play with, like where the nozzle is bigger on the output than on the input is yeah. just kind of mind blowing. So um, do you have to play around with the settings? It's like what you like, just create a line and see how well it prints. Uh, so a lot of the settings is just like, oh, extrude 100 millimeters and see how it comes out yeah. the other side. Um, or then with clippers, really easy with tweaking on the web interface while it's printing next to me. So I print a cylinder. I print a, a bunch of these little short cylinders and I'm constantly tweaking while it's happening. Yeah, so tweaking that's what I saw. speeds and temperatures because it's all about how long the filament is in that like melt zone. And if it's in there too long, it starts bubbling and stuff. And if it's not in there long enough, then it comes out the other end. Pretty much hard filament still. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a real, real fine line there. Are you yeah. using the, which, what, what kind of hot end are you using? Um, so it's got a dragon, just the normal, not the high flow dragon, just a normal dragon hot end on does there. Does it have the ceramic heater on it? Or yes. No? Or, it does. No, it's not even a ceramic heater on there. Huh. Um, I built this Voron a while ago, so <laughs> oh. it's just a normal one. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting where with this nozzle, you could push it through, I think at zero temperature and it would just slide out the other end. <laughs> <laughs> which is wild to think about a, a nozzle doing that that's really funny it doesn't uh, matter if it's even it melted it's yeah. still gonna spit it out the end so if you're under temperature because oh even because this one i was temperature practicing with petg and i was using pla temperatures so it was coming through the other side really hard still and i was like oh what's wrong and i was like oh it's the wrong filament setting so don't they make like got... a 1.8 too? I think yes, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've done a bunch of tests with the 1.8. Um, so this one, I'm still dialing in how how big I can make it 
on this bigger one. 1.8 is way more reasonable for most yeah. people. But wasn't that the filament just passed right through without it being melted too? Yeah, so that one could pass through as well. But it's barely bigger. This one is way bigger on the other side. (laughs) You could fit a filament and a half on the other side of this one. So that's been fun. All right. You guys ready to take a question? Oh, yes. Let's do it. Yeah. And James asks, I really like the deep dives you guys do on the individual components and systems that make up a printer. It seems to me that hot ends seem to be the 3D, spe- 3D printer specific components that are advancing the quickest. Do you agree? And if not, then what is? All right. So here's the deal with the rate of advancement of 3D printer technology. Um, nothing's really happening. It's all marketing. <laughs> um at the end of the day it's just a hot glue gun on a cnc motion control stage so it's uh not a whole lot going on there in terms of innovation well maybe not innovation (laughs) but maybe what's coming to market Mm -hmm. yeah so i guess the most recent kind of advancements i guess there's the Bamboo Lab A1 that has like a quick change nozzle system. I think that was pretty cool. Um, then we also had the year before that kind of the advancement of ceramic heater elements, which, you know, that's not really that big of a deal. I guess it adds a little bit of safety and maybe faster response times. But at the end of the day, it's still just a heater element. Mm-hmm. Um and then, like, I guess, you know, you, you've got some materials changes. Everyone's just using the most conductive material they have access to. So that's usually copper. Um, I would say, like, more than hot ends, I'd say nozzles have had more advancements in the last year. Because we had the, uh, the CHT nozzles, which kind of have mm-hmm. that flow splitting technology that increases flow rates. And then you had the... Um, the poly diamond crystal technology, the diamond back. Oh, okay. That's using like really unique materials. Um, but they all just thread into basically a metal block that's temperature controlled. It's the same thing as a soldering iron or a hot glue gun. Sure. Sure. What do you, what do you think, JJ? Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued by this question of it. I don't think the hot end is the most interesting part of 3D printers right now. Um, Yes, the CHT or the ceramic heater is way better than these older aluminum blocks with a heater inserted inside of it. So like that, I think, has been a really big improvement. You can heat up things at less than a minute versus two minutes or so in the past. Yeah. and yeah, nozzles have gotten way better because there's actually a market for them now of buying a, I would way rather buy a good, um, we were just talking about the Gamma Master nozzles from mm-hmm. uh, Slice. And it's like, oh, they're actually, they work really well versus in the past, I would just buy uh, 10 for five bucks on Amazon and yeah, they're good enough. The cheapest. Whatever's the cheapest, it's fine. Uh, for long enough um but i feel like the greatest advancement in 3d printers currently uh 
um, is more software side instead of the hardware side. Um, so you, like give me an example ease of use, um, input shaping that reduces a mm-hmm. reducing ringing because your printer is measuring it and using software to balance out that ringing, um, yeah. and being able to, um, pressure advance where it's like measuring the flow out of through the nozzle. And so it can do corners way better. Um, and just advancements in that side and ease of use, I think is the biggest advancement that we're seeing currently. Yeah. Now I, I, I would agree with everything both you guys said. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been around these as long as you guys have, but it's been probably three years now. Um, so I guess it, it's been a while, a little while anyways. Um, and I remember, you know, going from the Ender 3 V3, V2, Ender 3 V2, um, to, you know, the some of the printers I have right now, they're just so blazingly fast, they heat really quick, and they're just, they just work. You know, I, I, we were talking about the Ender 3 V3 KE, which is the, 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 the clipperized version of the V3. And you just basically plug it in, you hit a button, let it do its thing, and it goes, you know. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I recently, on my Voron Zero, I took the drag, I had a dragon hot end in that, and I took it out, and I had a, 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 a Revo Voron that came with the printer that I never put in. Oh, nice, yeah. And that had a ceramic heater in it, and I put that, that in there and i'll tell you what that thing little thing rocks it it definitely has some limits to how fast it can print though um, yeah how do you starts, like the revo i've never tried a revo actually um it's it's nice you can um take the thing out cold put another one in cold you don't have to worry about any of that I just use your your thumb you don't have to re uh z your bed yeah. I mean, it's just, just pop one nozzle out to the other. I did get a um, high flow four millimeter nozzle and it works mm. much better now than it did before. Yeah. Because they, the, 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 the regular uh, Revo nozzle only has like uh, a volumetric flow rate. I think I'm saying that right right of like 12 millimeters cubed so it doesn't have a lot on the top end yeah um, it's a little slow it's a little slow and the high flow one is like 22 so hmm. without speed i don't speed my printer up that the voron zero i'm printing small things on it anyways mm-hmm. so but the, the print quality on it, it's it's really good now it's the best it's ever been and I attribute oh, nice. it to the I attribute that to that nozzle. You wouldn't th- or that uh, hot end. I wouldn't. You wouldn't think a hot end would make that big of a difference. I think the nozzle would, um, but it has made a huge difference. A really um, big difference. I think that's kind of interesting to talk about. Like with E3D, it seems like all the other hot end manufacturers have gone for the high flow rate option to kind of differentiate their products. But mm-hmm. E3D has gone more into ease of use 
and ease of like changing parts out, which is yeah. an interesting direction to take. Yeah, it's way they... more like consumer friendly because yeah, I changing nozzles would be is one of those things that's a limiting factor. I don't change nozzles because it's not super easy to do. Um, well, I would argue I, you could argue yeah. that you don't need to change nozzles all that often. Like if you're changing nozzles more often than you change your socks, then you might need to see a doctor. Yeah, you've got you've got you've got other issues. Yes, yeah. It's more of a weird YouTuber thing where I'm like, oh, let me try out this. Let me try out this. Yeah. Normal people, yeah, you put a point four in there and you're solid. Put I've a- been I've been really happy with the CHT nozzles. I've been using those for well, almost probably a year now, I think, give or take. And um, I've been putting that in all my machines and I've they've been working really well that there's never been a problem with the, you know, the, the, the nozzle becoming a, a bottleneck for anything. So I guess that that's good. I've got one of those in my, uh, my big Voron, the 2.4, and it's got that Rapido ultra high flow thing in it. And it's, it's just tremendous. I don't have any issues with that at all. It, it can push up to like 35 or 40 or something stupid like that. I've been impressed with the uh, companies coming out with like more durable nozzles. Uh, the Slice has their Gamma Master and the uh, the Swiss. What's the other one? Micro Swiss. Micro Swiss. They've got another one that's like a nozzle they call the last nozzle you'll ever have to buy type thing um, yeah of like some super hard good flow rate but still being like super durable type thing um um because this gamma master i printed a bunch of glow-in-the-dark stuff through halloween and i was like oh wow it's still Looks it hasn't destroyed it the yet. same. It hasn't like destroyed it like it yeah. normally would. If I put a brass nozzle and printed that much glow in the dark filament through it, it from my conversations it. with a uh, slice, they have um, they say you can print anything through that. What would you call it? The Gamma Master nozzle, except for glow in the dark filament. That's the only one that'll void your warranty. Oh, <laughs> really? Glow in the dark <laughs> is like extremely like really? insane. Yeah. More than take, like carbon fiber or? Yeah, I think what they do is really? they take like a crystal, uh, like it's a crystal that has that property of retaining the light and glowing. Yeah. So they take a crystal and then they smash it up and embed it. I so it has a I lot of jagged phosphor. edges. Okay. That's yeah. Because it it's, it's blown through some brass nozzles before I even thought about what I was doing. And I was like, oops, that's, oops. that's a bad nozzle. Let's throw that one out. <laughs> yeah. Now, so Nathan, uh, you were talking before about the, the diamondback nozzle. And I, I, I remember when those first came out, they created a, 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 a little bit of a stink there. I wouldn't say a little bit of stink, but created a little bit of a noise for not too long. And then you didn't hear about them anymore, but uh, they, they use, like an industrial grade diamond in their tips, right? Yeah, they use, uh, I think it's the same process that they use to make diamond tipped uh, tools. Yeah, it's, so, it's an industrial grade lab created diamond. Yeah, so it's like, a, they call it a polycrystalline diamond. So it's like they get diamond powder, carbon powder, and they mm-hmm. um, 
compress it under high heat and then that turns it into some form of diamond it doesn't look like a like what you'd see on a piece of jewelry yeah it's like a black kind of mm-hmm. graphite looking material did you have you ever tested one of those have you tried it out I haven't personally, but I would tend to believe a lot of their claims just because um, one thing that you learn about in engineering school, at least I did, is they talk about like, hey, what's the most conductive material? They ask the class full of, you know, these freshmen that don't know anything about engineering yet. And everyone's like, oh, copper, silver, gold. And then they're like, nope, it's diamond. Bet you didn't see that one coming. No. Because yeah, it doesn't that, seem like a material that would be yeah. super conductive. Yeah, I've looked at those, but you know they're they're just so gosh so darn expensive. expensive. They're like a hundred bucks for a nozzle. Bucks. Yeah, it's like or one hundred and fifty for a Revo version of it. I just yeah. can't. I can't justify it. Yeah, justify one of the uh, one of the limitations with their product is also the temperature. You can only go up to like two eighty, mm-hmm. um, because uh, if you go above that, it kind of degrades the material or something i'm not sure exactly mm. what it is don't yeah. a lot of the quote-unquote engineering grade materials don't they print well hotter than 280 yeah so that's kind of an issue i mean mainly yeah. it sounds like the biggest application for it is for ptg printing because mm. ptg um it's very sticky so the diamond nozzle is supposed to be like super slick too so okay oh yeah but, you know, like when I think about spending 100 plus on a nozzle, I'm like, well, I better have some serious application for that, like printing medical implants or something or like military, yeah. uh, you know, gun parts or some crazy stuff. But it's like, no, you're just printing PETG. You just want it to look a little bit nicer and print smoother. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you, know, you look at those CHT nozzles and they're not that expensive. They're only like $25 or so. and. Mm-hmm. You really don't have, you know, you buy one of them and you're, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the main argument there is um, with any of these metal based nozzles, they get the slickness from a surface finish that can be worn out versus the Mm -hmm. diamond tip nozzle. It's like the whole volume of that diamond tip is, has the good properties of being slick and, and stuff. I mean, is it worth it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's something that you have to answer to your uh, mm-hmm. significant other when they see you bought a diamond that doesn't uh that they can't wear yeah yeah um but you you also mentioned before about some of these nozzles now that are quick change not the revo but it's like a whole cartridge where it's the the nozzle it's the almost the whole hot end where it yeah. just the clip yeah. holds yeah. it in I a lot like of the, companies have their own A1 solutions. has that. The Flash Forge has that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Prusa has it to some degree. I mean, you have to unscrew mm-hmm. it with a tool, but it pulls out the whole heat break and nozzle in one piece. That's really similar like the Revo. to the Revo. Yeah, it's basically the Revo <laughs> yeah. without the little hand, uh, yeah. hand torqueable part. Yeah, I think they're super like cool. That? Or uh, on the flash, the flash forge is the only one I've actually done it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the A one, I haven't replaced the nozzle at all on it. So, um, do you have an A one? A one mini. I A1 meant. Mini. Uh, I think the A one. Extra... I'm sorry. The A one has that fast change clip on. Does the A one mini have that too? 
Yeah, it has the same system. It looks oh, it like does. the same. Okay, model. I didn't okay, know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Um, uh-huh. Creality has a new system on the K1C, which is really similar mm-hmm. to what um, the Prusa machines have, where it, you, you can unscrew it, and then it's got the hot end. I mean, it's got the nozzle with an integrated heat break and stuff on there. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen those yet, though. I haven't tried to change that nozzle yet on that one either. Yeah. Um, but on, at least on the Flashforge is the only one I've tried. Um, and it's super cool how it's a 10-second thing of press the two clips, pull it out, pop in a new one, and within 10 seconds, oh, cool, I'm printing with this different nozzle. Um, yeah. I'd say Flashforge's implementation is the easiest you just yeah. like push the buttons and it pops out. <laughs> like it just yeah. hits the floor. It's like, oh. You have to make sure it doesn't hit the bed too hard because <laughs> yeah. it just sends it out. Yeah. It um, actually pops out that easy. Yeah. Yeah. You just push two if buttons you've on the side. retracted the filament correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, I tell mm-hmm. you. This hobby's getting too easy. <laughs> yeah. But it gets back to what Guy was saying of most people will pick a nozzle and stick with that nozzle. Right. 0.4 millimeter all the way. That's like the best nozzle for everything. Or if you've moved to 0.6, you'll stick with 0.6 and you're good to go. Yeah. Even 0.6, I I don't know. It has a lot of issues with stringiness and on retraction that 0.4 is like completely immune to almost. Um, And then if you're going above that, you just go all the way to like 2.6 or whatever. 1.8, 2.6. And then the retractions are negative. Like I use mostly the the 0.6 ones, except on my Voron Zero. I use 0.4 on that. Uh But everything else has the sixes on it. And I'm not always printing at the the thicker layers. Mm, You're still printing. I'm still printing at the the 0.2 layer height mm. on it most of the time but yeah. i know if it's i know that if i want to print something larger and fast and i don't care about you know super duper print quality i can just start it up and i don't have to change the nozzle i think it's interesting to to talk about print quality because it's not always you're not always talking about the same thing like i think my larger diameter nozzles have higher print quality than the 0.4 millimeter diameter nozzles in a lot of situations because they're the nozzle itself is moving so slow that you have no ringing. You have no ghosting. It's yeah. just like yeah. an STL almost. It looks like it does in the slicer because there's absolutely no artifacts on there, but you'll have worse retractions and stuff. So um, versus 0.4 millimeter nozzles, you'll be able to recreate fine details but you'll have like little ripples and stuff um, yeah. and all sorts of small issues. I, I would definitely agree that that print quality is a very, very subjective thing mm-hmm. and really depends on, you know, what you're doing and the, and the individual, but still, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And the, the one thing I want uh, print quality, once you start getting up to two millimeter layer height um, the, and you look at a macro lens you start getting that layer is so thick you can see surface defects on that layer, like grooves that are from the nozzle machining start showing up on the sides of your prints because you're printing so large that you start getting uh, machine grooves on the sides of your prints. (laughs) 
I like seeing the little like little bubbles coming to the surface of the parts as you're printing them. Yeah, you can only, really only see those on the large diameter on nozzle. Super prints. large nozzles. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you, after after we're done here, I've got to go back to the slice engineering site and see if they have any of those yeah. nozzles in stock. Get them to ship more. Guy, you've got a whole shop. You just need a drill bit. There you yeah. go. I, I don't have anything that's that precise. <laughs> it doesn't need to be precise. Just drill it out. Just fill a hole in it. Just fill a hole in it. Just take it to the table saw. Table Just saw. cut the tip off. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right. So let's move on to another question. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. This, this one this comes from one. Jeremy in Tulsa. And he says, uh, first of all, he says, I love the, pie, the podcast. I love how you guys approach things from a different angle. And it makes for a fun and engaging podcast. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Um, he asks or says, when having any kind of shop, organization makes a huge difference with productivity and safety. Or sanity, I should say. I was wondering if you all have any experience with creating wall storage, specifically the most popular completely 3D printed options I've seen are thread boards and the honeycomb wall. There's also the ability to buy a normal pegboard and print attachments. I'd love to have something durable with the most amount of options for mounting. What route would you guys take? What do you think, JJ? Yeah, so I spent this last week printing a bunch of this new multi-board uh, system for installing things. Um, and it's very versatile. Oh, I see um, it back there. It's Behind not you. back It's not actually that. <laughs> that's not it? No, no that's, it's been the there for, that's been there since oh, we yeah, yeah, those I are some boards. Okay, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Stick treating, yeah. Um. It's in the other room, but um, I, I like how versatile it is. It's got so many different sides to it. Very complex and took a while to like kind of figure out what I really wanted to do with it. Um, but I like how easy it is to create a new file for it because everything's large. On a normal pegboard, you have to create 3D prints with kind of small pegs to fit into more normal pegboards, which I don't love just more more difficult to print right because normal pegboards is like optimized for metal hooks that are like yeah. really strong small little latching things yes yeah but 3d printed parts you know you need to make them a little bit bigger so they're strong enough to... or big and chunky yeah um the other thing i have done i have done a few pegboard things for like non-structural strong things uh but i have done some uh french cleat prints before for mounting tools more heavy things out in the garage where the french cleat is a wood thing on the wall and i just 3d printed a little bracket to fit on it to hold up something um but that's kind of my extent of tool storage and optimization uh, yeah. what do you think yeah. nathan well i um store all my tools on the floor so <laughs> I don't really need anything printed. Strongest place to put them. Yep. Lowest center of gravity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at this multi-board system that 
JJ was talking about. It looks pretty interesting. It looks like a game of Connect Four, or yeah, um, it's a cool thing where uh, the whole like the twist to multi-board is that all of the little grooves on it can be used as threading or snap fit. So the snap fit fixtures are more durable and strong, harder to remove versus the threaded pieces can thread onto those grooves and can be more easily removed. It looks fun. My only concern would be the fire hazard aspect of it. What do you mean? <laughs> well, it's... Uh, Is it going to spontaneously combust? Or? Well, if you light it on fire, it might burn. Anything. Anything can be burned. <laughs> Everything burns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of these... Uh, like it's really trendy to put up these they call them feature walls at mm-hmm. like coffee shops and things where like it'll be like this green wall with like fake plants on it that everyone can go and take pictures for Instagram in front of and i i just um i've seen a couple of videos where those get lit on fire and they just like engulf the whole uh, establishment in flames cuz uh, they're on the wall and they're not really fire rated for anything yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I um I've seen that multi-board thing. I said I printed out one piece of it uh, as mm-hmm. a test thing. I have a very small area. I want to add um, something like that too. Mm-hmm. So it was about well about twelve by twelve is the size I wanted, and it took a long time to print that one piece out. I was really shocked and how long it took to print out. And yeah, you said 12 by 12. It was 12 by 12. And it took almost, it took, uh, I want to say nine hours on my Voron. On my, the P1P, I printed an eight by eight or nine by nine. And it took two hours. Okay. The problem is something wrong. Yeah. You're using a Revo nozzle. No. (laughs) You need to use the bond. No, this is on the big. That's not. A, that's on my boron zero. Oh. So uh, yeah, it took like nine hours, and I don't know why. That's weird. That yeah. kind of turned me off. Uh-huh. The thing here's here's the thing. As far as shop organization goes, I detest wall units. I detest things hanging on a pegboard. Um, they get dirtier. Pegboards suck. Don't mm-hmm. use them. I've always used uh, just a piece of wood. If I want stuff attached to the wall, I'll you know, screw a piece of wood to the wall and then build <laughs> custom mounts for things to sit in. And those in the past have always been wooden. I've made some uh-huh. chisels, screwdrivers, whatever. And it just got screwed right into that piece of wood. That's um, interesting, guy, because I, I thought you were going to say you just glue your tools to the wall. <laughs> no, no. Um, and I, I, I counted, this was probably about two years ago, I counted the number of drawers I have in my shop. I've got yeah. 102. Wow. Drawers. I've got small drawers, big drawers, medium-sized drawers, shallow drawers that are maybe a max of about three inches tall. 
is all you need for a drawer. Yeah. I would rather take a small area and build an area that has a dozen drawers in it that are only a couple, three inches tall and maybe like four or five inches wide. You can put a ton of stuff in them. They don't get dirty. You can put a label on it. Everything is very easy to get to. I'm big in the shop organization. And, and uh, the, the dirt that you were saying, or the dust of... Uh, yeah. I don't do much woodworking, but the few times I've mis- I've messed up and tried to saw inside the garage, uh, <laughs> everything is covered in dust and sawdust. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, yeah. it's not even it's not even that. It's you know, the, the, a lot of these tools they have oil on them, and mm-hmm. or they you know you want to keep them so they don't get rust on them. So you you know put some kind of surface um, treatment on them. But anyways. All I'm saying is, for me, I don't bother mm-hmm. with wall storage. Everything <laughs> yeah. goes in a drawer. I find it easier. And you can get, so if you've got wall space, let's say 12 by 12, that's it. Yes. It's 12 yeah. by 12. Uh, 12 let's say, let's say you got, what's that? 12 inches? by 12 inches. Okay. Yeah. 300 by 300. Okay. Sorry. So that's like an under three plus size. Yes. So, but that's it. That's all you can put on that wall. Take that and lay it horizontally and stack up three pieces that are four inches deep. Mm -hmm. I've quadrupled my storage area and something that's a 12 by 12 cube or excuse me, a 300 millimeter cube now. (laughs) You see what I mean? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You get a lot more surface, and people always want these big drawers. No, mm-hmm. Sh- shallow drawers. None of your tools are ever that big. Have you printed right. any uh, drawer organization? I've things? printed stuff for hardware, hmm. where they're like the plastic case and the little drawers that slide in and out of them. Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of those where I've printed off, and that they take a long time to do. And uh-huh. print it off and then put the little labels on them and, you know, all the M3 nuts and the button head cap, this button head, <laughs> this socket head. This, you know what I, I like mean? The so, Ikea yeah. Alex drawers. Have you seen those? No. Oh, yeah. I use them for a lot of stuff. Um, my class. girlfriend actually told me about them because they're used in the uh, beauty guru YouTube scene to store makeup. And that and tech and YouTubers all use them and yeah, so, super common. Yeah. It's like, um, $200. It's kind of expensive actually, but it's a, a stack of shallow drawers, like what okay. guy's describing. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of blend into most environments, but those are the drawers that I use most of the time. If they're not, if my tools aren't on the floor, then they're in a bucket mm-hmm. or in one of those drawers, <laughs> but it's, it's given me a good idea. Um, I don't know of anyone who's, 3d printed something similar but if you get one of those max size printers with the 420 by 420 build volume Mm -hmm. you could probably print out one of these sets of drawers in like three batches and then like you know if that would normally cost you 200 dollars, but you can just print it out with like five spools of filament that's like 60 dollars instead the alex drawers are pretty cheap uh, but I, I've got some different IKEA drawers, and I have 3D printed dividers inside of them. Yeah, um, 
to sort them out. There, it's another YouTuber, Alex Chapel, I think his name is, mm-hmm. Swedish guy. Um, and I've got his old, he's updated these dividers a bunch of times, but I've got a bunch of those inside of these. And I think yeah. about switching them over to this new multi-grid, multi-board, he's got a multi-grid system yeah. for like just a bunch of little divide for like if you got a big drawer that you already have to like subdivide it basically to make yeah. it easier to use but there's also that gridfinity system too yes yeah this is similar i just never really got into gridfinity yeah um, i tried gridfinity i didn't really like it but I kept that opinion to myself because i feel like the gridfinity fan base will attack me if i say anything yes we will <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've never tried it. Do you like it? Oh yeah. I've never tried um, it. I've never tried um, it. I printed out a bunch of Gridfinity stuff, but I don't know. I guess it seems kind of rickety to me. The the only thing I've ever three D printed for drawer organization is I've I've have these. Uh, I buy a lot of tools from this company called Festool, and they all come in yeah. these really nice what they call sustainers, and they're all it's, they're designed to lock together so. If you're moving around from job site to job site, you can have a stack of tools and all locked together and you can get it in any one of the cases and it holds all the accessories. It's a very good system. We buy those Festool sanders at work, but they don't use the, the, the cases. And these cases mm-hmm. have a value. They're like, you know, 80 to $100 a piece for yeah. this big plastic case. So I they give them to me and I bring them home and I've got... I've got them all over the shop, but I've printed out little containers that go under the inside. And you can look on like printables or, you know, Thingiverse or anywhere and just do a search for Festool or Sustainer and all kinds of stuff pops up. I have kind of a weird story that you're reminding me of. Uh, In an apartment I used to live at, I think someone who lived there was a Milwaukee, like, field service tech or something but like once a month i'd go out to take the trash out and there'd just be like 20 nice toolboxes that were like the tools that you when you buy a tool it comes in one of these nice boxes with those blow molded cases yeah they're yeah. worthless they are I, I throw those out too that makes sense because they i they seem nice the, you know the hardware seemed pretty good they're, they are nice, but the problem with those blow molded cases, tools come, they're none, there's no standard size to anything. So oh, nothing, yeah. you can't like put like three of them here and the it's just like, it's it, yeah. all, it just, it, it just doesn't work. And that's where Festool, even like Milwaukee does it now, they have these things called pack out containers. The mm-hmm. Walt does it now. Uh, Bosch has done it for a while. I think actually Bosch uses the sustainers which is made by Festool. Um, oh, nice, yeah. Anyways, my point is, is that most of the time, if I've got a drawer that I want to subdivide, I've got a big pile. I did it probably, oh, geez, it's got to be six or seven years ago, where I ripped a bunch of small boards that are like a eighth to a quarter inch thick. They're maybe two or three inches tall. And if I want to, you know, organize a drawer, I just start cutting those things up and super gluing them together and just sticking them in the drawer. It takes me five minutes. I can do a whole drawer and it's much easier. 
than sitting there and printing stuff out and waiting hours and putting it in that doesn't fit quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, drawers are the way to go. Speaking of printing stuff out, I'm, I want to go back to this printable Alex drawer idea that I have. One major benefit would be it probably would take less time to print one out than to put the Ikea furniture together yourself because that always takes forever. I don't know. I've never... I don't think I've even ever seen a piece of Ikea furniture. That's, really? This, that's ignorant. Guy. Your, no, your that's, homework assignment is to go to Ikea tonight. They actually have an Ikea here in town. Oh, never man, been to I, it. I've never, been, never visited their website. The only thing I've ever seen from Ikea is those guys that build the Prusa enclosures out of that. Oh, yeah. The lack enclosures. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's you should at least go there for lunch. It's a you fun got a pretty good to lunch. walk around. I enjoy it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can get Swedish meatballs. They may or may not contain horse. <laughs> <laughs> but they they sell. They have they have food there. They have lunch. They have a restaurant. There's a cafeteria halfway through. So you yeah, can you stop can take... and get some snack to uh, keep your energy up while you make it through the rest of the store. Right. Right. We've really gone off off the wheels, off the, the track here, guys. So, I think, okay. <laughs> so I, I still think that for in some situations, 3D printing stuff for storage is a good idea. It just depends on mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. Small yeah. air. I don't want to, I don't want to have to, to, to print out myself. I don't want to have to use, you know, a couple, three kilograms of filament at 15 to $20 a roll to do something I can make out of another material. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm blessed that I have all these tools and a rack full of wood that I can make stuff out of. And I think it, it fits for small things. Like my uh, pegboard I printed out is a small, it's a fairly small area. Um, so it really didn't mm-hmm. take too much filament and it's a fun project. If I needed to have storage for, half a workshop it'd be like well okay it'd probably be cheaper to buy a pegboard and print accessories for or print you know wood accessories are good for large things doesn't ikea have their own type of pegboard yeah i've seen it i'm sure they do that's the popular one i see uh files for it all the time on printables yeah yeah that's that's what i'm thinking well, you know more about Ikea pegboard than I do for someone who's never been to Ikea. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 it's possible. It's possible. Scatis. Scatis. However, however you pronounce it in Swedish. I don't know. I don't but know. yeah, so starting with something like that, if you're, print, if you're doing a large area yeah. and then printing your accessories for it um, can be a good economical balance. But what I'm going to do with that 300 by 300 area as i'm going to do the the honeycomb mm, the hexagon the honeycomb system. system yeah the honeycomb system. Just, mainly because there's eight thousand different accessories already made for that thing on printables yeah if you want to put something on that wall somebody has designed something to go on that wall already and the multi-board didn't have that They've got mm-hmm. their stuff and that's it. It's brand new. There's like yeah. two or three yeah. people that have made mods for it. I've made a few that I haven't even uploaded yet because uh, it's just brand new. 
Yeah, yeah. So Nathan's not chiming in. No, no. He's I had enough ground. of this pegboard conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's boring. Well, I think the cool thing about pegboard, the only reason why I might do it is to have like a cool background for a video. Mm, um, yeah. And I don't have to worry about sawdust as much as you do. Yeah. That's true. true. That's true. All right. Well, I think that's going to do for this show. And remember, guys, we really need questions and participation from you, the listener. So go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and ask us. And Nathan, why don't you tell everyone where you can be found? Just look me up on YouTube. It's Nathan Builds Robots. All right. And JJ? And I'm on YouTube as well, just JJ Shankles. All right. And if somebody wants to ask us a question other than perfectfirstlayer.com, can they email us, JJ? Oh, yeah. You can email us at perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. Nice. And I can be found on guys at guys shop on uh, YouTube. So, all right. That was a fun conversation, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. See ya. See ya.